All right, fellow Market Pulse members, welcome for a, uh, another episode of the Market Pulse podcast where we bring data to you in a way that's simple to digest and impact in your financial uh, life while trying to grow your personal wealth and portfolio. So uh, today we've got a lot to cover and just to give you some like highlight things of what's going on in the market right now, um, we are going to go... <clears throat> over this new AI craze that's happening and some of the specific stocks that are being impacted by that. And we'll cover that in what we call our snooze you lose segment, where then I'm going to go over the latest advancement, uh, this huge release uh, that OpenAI just came out with called Sora. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how, I mean, I would say this is probably the, largest, most impactful AI advancement we've had in the last 12 months. Then from there, <clears throat> we'll go into our psychology of trading section. We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, areas in the market that quote unquote effed up. And then we'll go into our sheep get slaughtered section where I do a full trade analysis on the S&P 500 and gold going into next week, and we'll show you how we did last week so you can actually uh, kind of get a track record and sense of my uh, personal skill level when it comes to predicting the market. So let's get into this. Our first segment, we're going to go through what we call our snooze you lose, and this is incredible. Let's go through our snooze you lose section, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about this NVIDIA advancement that kind of took the market by surprise this week. Breaking news. What you're about to see may disturb you. And what I want to share with you that came in hot uh, off the press this week was NVIDIA's advancement um, in total market cap. So the total accumulation of dollars in NVIDIA's stock. And the reason this happened is NVIDIA's profits just came out and it blew all analysts' predictions out of the water. So <clears throat> using some of NVIDIA's chips to help present us this news, I made a video using OpenAI's tool where I basically took all the highlight news on NVIDIA, loaded it into uh, Chat GPT four use the uh, a uh, a video. It's called NVIDIA plugin. On the NVIDIA plugin, it took me to the site, took all the content, and it made this video. Which, frankly, I mean, I feel like my job's being threatened a little bit here because this video in about thirty seconds wraps up the whole thing in a way that, frankly, I don't I don't know if I could have done it in that amount of time. So. Uh, we have a whole segment on this uh, that thing that took over the world and eventually destroyed us all, this AI piece. Well, here it is, an AI video that I had created in under 30 seconds that will give you all the highlights on what just happened uh, on this advancement in AI. So let's bring that up. And this is kind of fun. You guys can do this, by the way. In video, I don't get paid to, to highlight. I'm not being sponsored by them. It's just a really great tool. 
Uh, Sora, that we're going to go over in just a minute, like blows this out of the water. We'll talk about that in just a sec. But see how cool this tool is. And this is completely free using stock video. And you'll be able to see the uh, voiceover. And I made some edits to this, but uh, the voiceover was at first in a male voice. You'll be able to hear from the female voice how real this sounds. The video, I didn't even pick these video segments. It did it all automatically. And we're getting high-level information from the data that I pulled off of all these different news sources to feed this video in under 30 seconds. So here it is. What company just made stock market history? That's right, NVIDIA. On February 22nd, this tech titan added a staggering $277 billion to its stock market value, marking the largest one-day gain Wall Street has ever witnessed. This extraordinary surge came right after NVIDIA's quarterly report shattered expectations, laying bare the skyrocketing demand for its AI chips. This report sent the company's stock soaring by a whopping 16.4%, closing at a record high and boosting its market cap to a staggering $1.96 trillion. But what does this monumental event mean for the tech world at large? Well, it set off a global rally in tech stocks, especially those closely tied to AI. Major indexes around the world felt the positive impact of NVIDIA's success. But that's not all. NVIDIA's performance didn't just set a new record. It surpassed Meta Platform's previous record, catapulting NVIDIA to the position of the third most valuable company in the US stock market. That's right, NVIDIA now stands tall, ahead of giants like Amazon and Alphabet. But it's not just about the numbers. This event underscores NVIDIA's dominant role in the AI chip market. It's a testament to NVIDIA's innovative prowess and its ability to pioneer new paths in technology. The implications of NVIDIA's success extend beyond the company itself. It's reshaping the S&P 500 and, more broadly, painting a promising future for the tech industry. With NVIDIA leading the charge, the AI revolution is not just a distant dream, but a tangible reality. So as we marvel at NVIDIA's historic achievement, it's clear that this tech giant is not just setting records, it's setting a precedent. And with its forecast for significant revenue growth, NVIDIA's success story is far from over. It's an exciting time to be witnessing the evolution of technology, and NVIDIA is at the helm, steering us into a future powered by AI. Oh my goodness. I will tell you, just full disclosure, I didn't even watch that whole video. I watched the first probably 60 seconds, and I was like, oh, this is good. They're clearly, it's covering everything that I fed it. Uh, I made one edit in the beginning. I was changing it from a male voice to a female voice. But guys, this is the future. I mean, I don't, am I going to even be on here presenting? Is there going to be a need for a human, a real human <clears throat> behind the camera? I don't know. And this next segment that I'm going to go through, a lot of you might be going, well, you know, there was a lot of stock video, Matt. That wasn't that great. Well, yeah, I could have paid, you know, for the upgrade and removed all the stock video images. Well, Matt, those are all stock images. They're not created real. They're not, there's no creative to it. It's not actual uh, creative content. Yeah, I get that. <clears throat> but wait till you see what Sora just did. It is is going to knock your socks off. So we're going to move into our next segment, uh, which I like to call that thing 
that took over the world and will eventually destroy us all. <laughs> so here it is. Oh, I keep loading this the wrong way. Let's uh, go into that segue, and then I'm going to jump into this exciting, incredible new advancement in AI that just came out. And it is, it's like when ChatGPT came out, guys. Like, this is that exciting. So. I'm back. We are there, guys. The time of AI is at hand, and Sora is... It, I just can't describe how incredible this is without showing you. So what I'm going to do, <clears throat> I put together, of course, using AI, I put together uh, a quick collaboration of all the Sora videos. So we're gonna, I'm just going to display them for you so you can see how incredible the prompt to video on Sora is. And these are all not stock images. These are videos created out of nothing, out of thin air using uh, this AI tool that just got launched through OpenAI. And while we're watching these, I'm gonna go through a series of questions around what I think this is going to do to the industry. Uh, because there are going to be some significant financial plays. There will be some significant financial shifts in allocation of resources that, frankly, we're just not living in the Stone Age around creativity anymore. So let's tee this up. And, I mean, even as I watch this, it's just incredible. Gosh, I'm just, like, looking at this right now. Okay, here we go. Let's tee this up so you guys can see. And there's no there's no audio uh, to any of this yet. So if you're wanting to hear audio, there's not any. I'm sure that will come. That will be an easy ad that they'll probably do later. Uh, but you've got to – I mean, you just got to see this. It's, this is just incredible. All right, so we're going to play this. And then while we're I'll, – I'll, I'll talk about a, a couple of the first videos, and then I'm going to get into these questions that we have on here. So here is a kangaroo dancing. And the prompt that created this video was exactly that, a kangaroo dancing. I want to I go back to this. Oh, no, this one's incredible. So here's the prompt. I want to show you this. So this was the prompt for this video of the dog. So that a litter of golden retriever puppies playing in the snow, their heads popping out of the snow. So that was the prompt that was put into Sora, and this was the video that came out. This is not a real dog. This, is, this never happened in reality. This is all artificially generated. Look at the details. Unless you are looking closely, I don't even know if you would know that this isn't real. I mean, look at the details of the snowfall. There is like physics going on here. We've got gravity pulling the snow down. <clears throat> uh, here's a Borneo and wildlife on the a river. Obviously, you can kind of see if you back it up a little bit. Let me just show you this. You can tell this isn't real. Like, look at the river. Like, it's freaking good. 
but you can tell it's not real. Like there's some stuff that looks a little off, but look at the details of this. Are we watching Nat National Geographic or something that just happened? So I'm going to let these keep playing. I'm going to go through some questions uh, that got brought up <clears throat> in terms of like, what does this mean for the future? So uh, one of the questions that I had uh, brought up was, how does Sora impact the future of content creation? So this technology. And are there any specific industries or artistic domains where you anticipate it will have more significant impact? And I think the answer, uh, at least for me, is future content creation is going to change radically because of this. The days of needing an entire team of producers and digital artists, the companies like Pixar, who have entire floors of creators, are going to be radically revolutionized because of this. Where will the artistic impact be? You will not have to be someone who goes to digital art school to learn how to like put all these artistic things together and learn all the maybe you know theory would probably still be important but you're not going to need to know how to draw a robot like this for example or understand a lot of conceptual art theory to produce an image like this the courses you will have to take is how to create prompts how to maybe feed certain uh, AI platforms LLMs etc with the, the data of certain types of themes, right? Like in this case, kind of like a Pixar looking animal creature uh, that would have, anytime you have it do something, it would create the 3D rendering of that and then make the scene. So the days of like countless hours of digital animation are over. And when we start to get into like series, like Toy Story, great example. Imagine they could have fed all the Toy Story characters, all the 3D imaging into a platform like this. And then rather than having the artists create every single scene, they just told the LLM, okay, now have Woody and Buzz Lightyear do X, Y, Z. And then they go in, they could take the content, and then maybe they do some light editing afterwards, but they get it like 90% there. All right, next question. So one of the promises of AI is the D... Uh, democratization of content creation, right? How does Sora contribute to making sophisticated video production more accessible to people without technical and artistic backgrounds? I think we can see it. It's a simple prompt. You guys are seeing the words that create, I mean, how much effort does it take to make something like this? You type in a prompt, you get a video, like, and it looks real. You can have it be realistic. You can have it look like a Pixar or something animated. I mean, the, the bounds are limitless. The human element, so here's a question uh, that I had come up, is despite the advanced capabilities of tools like Sora, there's often discussion about uh, the irreplaceable nature of human creativity. In what ways do you believe AI can complement rather than replace human creativity? Well, it's our creativity that created this. Right? It will be our creativity that moves entertainment into the new revolution of creativity, video watching, etc. How do I, I mean, I have a lot of theories on this, but how do I think this will 
democratize and change and shift the industries. It's going to be custom content creation. Are people going to lose their jobs? Yes. Are people, are, is there going to be demand for new jobs? Yes. Will there be some people that miss the boat on this? They, they, they don't quite put two and two together and move from the industry that they no longer needs them anymore, moves into the industry that does. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I think what the demand is going to be is in custom content creation. Imagine you could be in an old Western movie like this, and because of how simple it is now to make the the video, the movie, you could now have a different custom version of that video to watch for yourself. Uh, for example, let's say you were, again, going back to Pixar and Toy Story, and rather than the story portrayed through the struggle of Woody surviving and trying to get to the end, and you know he's kind of the hero in the story, what if you wanted the story of the T-Rex, and you wanted to get his life and his background and his upbringing and the interactions that happen in those those uh, series, but from his maybe perspective, you could type in a prompt and it would create the whole video, audio and everything from that perspective. And then what this w- would allow, and this is where I think this is going, just like on YouTube, just like on Facebook, TikTok, et cetera, where content creators get creative around these things, you will be able to share your version of XYZ storytelling that then goes viral. And these uh, companies like Disney, uh, in, any of these producer-type companies will create the platforms where users can contribute to them in a way that is meaningful, but also uh, there's kind of a hierarchy of demand where it's like, oh, well, that version of the Toy Story ver- uh, that that Toy Story version that you created maybe isn't as popular as XYZ, but the ones that really trend, content creators will get the value. And I think Disney and other places that do this really well will reward content creators to build on top of their already existing platforms because you just don't need the talent anymore to create high-quality videos and images. Um, let's talk about deep fakes, uh, and some of the risks that come with this. A lot of you guys heard since the Super Bowl, there was a certain celebrity, uh, Taylor Swift, in fact, who had some major complaints about some deep fakes that came out around her. I mean, these were full nudes and this type of technology definitely increases the amount of risk around deep fakes, especially, you know, pornographic, uh, nude type things that would happen, especially for like celebrities or, or I mean, really anyone for that matter. Um, and the capacity and ability to fake news, fake real events, I think goes through the roof because now you can fake someone being somewhere they never were. And before the public catches on that this wasn't even a real video, it's already too late. The impact, the damage is already done. So I actually think this makes a really strong argument for blockchain technology. Original content 
technology where you can verify through the chain the originality of content. Like, was this real? Was it not? Which would help, uh, frankly, the world know like what's real and what isn't when it comes to video creation. Because it's getting to the point that the human eye and the human mind cannot decipher the difference, at least at a glance. You'd have to do some uh, some pretty heavy digital analysis to make sure, like, is this real or isn't it? And by the time that comes out, the world already thinks what happened was real. So I think there are some major negative impacts, but from a positive side, uh, I think this really helps the entertainment industry move forward. You know, amidst this, there's a lot of strikes going on in the industry right now, a lot of actor strikes. And frankly, I don't know what to say to my actor friends, uh, actor, actress friends, producers, etc. other than get on board, learn how to get an angle with this. Because this is like when v- movies went from no sound to having real sound in videos. This is the shift between black and white to color. And this is going to change the movie industry forever, where... When there were movies back in the day that had no audio, the actresses didn't have to have, or actors, didn't have to have great voices. They didn't even have to know how to sing because no one actually could hear their voice, where now this is radically changing. So there you go, guys. Sora from OpenAI. Uh, This is not yet open to the public. There are some developer versions of this that they are handing out. However, uh, I would anticipate this launch probably within the next 30 days seeing some basically you'll you'll end up seeing a Sora show up on your open AI platform that you're paying for as a subscription. So what does this do? Well, this puts some major stress and I'm going to bounce back to Nvidia because I think there's an opportunity there. I'm kind of bouncing back between segments, but I want to talk to you about what, where's the opportunity here then Matt? Well, obviously if you can get on the content creation side, Uh, We're still kind of in the pioneer phase, and I don't like to be a pioneer uh, when it comes to investing because most pioneers get just completely murdered. It's the people who integrate the technology that usually make the most money, right? The guy who even knows who invented the internet, right? We know he's out there. You could Google search him, but he's not a well-known name. But the people who built on top of the internet are really have been the winners in this game. Let me show you what's going on with NVIDIA. And just to catch you up for those who who aren't familiar with this, NVIDIA is the fuel, is the tool that uh, makes this all possible. All those videos were built on the backbone of NVIDIA's AI. Well, they're not AI specific, but NVIDIA's processors. And they are working, by the way, on a AI specific processor. And they're saying, just like with ASIC miners for Bitcoin, they're saying that these things are going to be incredibly more efficient because they will be uh, refined to do just exclusively AI content. Uh, They're saying it will be like a tenth of the processing costs. So we're talking about a 10x improvement in processing, which is going to allow these videos to become way more accessible, way more easy, and hopefully we'll get more users and people who have the ability to participate, which should boost innovation even farther faster. Now, here's NVIDIA's rising results. You can see on the left what actually happened and what was is predicted 
for Q1 April 2024, you can see is in the gray. So this is what was projected. And as we heard in the video, the projections were way lower than what actually happened. This scale, what was predicted was this kind of gradual scale, as you can see all the way into Q4, January 2025. We just blew out the scale. And so analyst projections are going to have to pick up and like keep up with like where we think things are going to go to the future on the right. But my guess and what the market is predicting is based on January's uh, Q4 report, April is probably going to be way further out, way more profitable by the billions. This is $12 billion in profit, by the, uh, by the way, guys. That's uh, net income, $22 billion in revenue. I would guess it's going to be higher also, and the market is guessing the same thing, and that's why we saw NVIDIA stock uh, soar this week. <clears throat> Do I think there is potential upside? Absolutely. I think NVIDIA, I'm still pretty bullish on the fundamentals. On the technical side, I am a little bearish just because it's kind of priced per to perfection, but what we are seeing is that the, de the demand for this is not diminishing. I don't see currently how this is displacing a lot of jobs. I don't see currently how this is creating a lot of extra net income inside of other industries and inside of other companies. Some are arguing it is, some are arguing it's not yet. However, the demand is really clear. And I think this is why we're seeing such a huge demand for the chips to allow this AI, uh, these AI projects to move forward. So kind of doing a quick flashback into our snooze you lose section. So we're going to move into our next segment, which is what I call the bear bulls and brain farts. And the reason that I go into this is, oh, I got a lot of things going on here. The reason I go into this is if you don't have your head screwed on correctly, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter where you went to school. Uh, nothing matters, really, if you don't have your psychology lined up. And so I'm going to go through my top five psychology of trading books uh, that revolve around money and many of them trading specific. Because if you don't have this figured out, guys, you might as well not be trading. Get your psychology figured out first, then add the tools on top of it and watch how things start to shift for you uh, when it comes to your trading. So let's move into our next segment. All right, so let's talk about Market Wizards and what is going on with this book. Why did, is it a recommendation of mine? Pull this over so I can see it. And uh, we'll go through these really quickly. So mastering, oh, this is not it. Let's see if I can get these through. Well, we can do this. We'll do it in this order. There's no specific order to these. So mastering trading psychology. Uh, it's a two-authored book. Andrew Aziz and uh, Mike, I think it's Bayer is how you say that. But let me share a little bit about this book and why I'm making this recommendation. Uh, this book is centered around interviews with successful traders. There's, there's just something about getting knowledge and information from people who've done it 
versus the typical education route where we typically learn from people who couldn't. Like when you go to college, and no offense, I mean, there's just there's no good way to say this. If you can't, you teach. I mean, that's just one of the rules of life. And unfortunately, in college, the people that you're typically learning from, unless they're adjunct professors who have come from industries, uh, which is like less than 10% of formal education, uh, you're learning from someone who couldn't. So if you're going and taking a business class, it's very likely that you're learning from someone who failed in business. If you're taking a XYZ course, it's very likely that that person wasn't someone who could make it happen in the real world and could and wouldn't be able to. But when you get books and education from traders themselves, books like Mastering Trading Psychology is one of the best because this book is centered around interviews from successful traders who have done the work, who know how to do it, and it's not some author's opinion. It's coming from the traders themselves, and the themes that you'll hear from these traders is very, very unique, but because it's very similar, you'll go, huh, there's something I probably should be listening to here, and I won't go into the details, but that's one of the ones I'd have on the top of your list. The second is a national bestseller, Market Wizards, Interviews with Top Traders, also very similar to the book that I mentioned before. Uh, This book is a little different, a a little older, and I would say a little more popular. It has the same theming as Mastering Trading Psychology. However, this one, the, the type of questions that Jack asks in this book, I think are a little more poignant, and they'll give you more actual tooling. Or the other one's more like broad stroke. This one's like very specific and you'll get like kind of line items of things to do that might play into your daily trade routine, what you do before trading, what you do after trading to really uh, get your head wrapped around like how to be inside of the markets. All right, next up, and again, no particular order to this. This is one of my favorite books by Mark, uh, Mark Douglas. It's called Trading in the Zone. And I love this word. The zone is this way of being what I call an inner position in my book that is essential to the success around trading, where guys like Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger are kind of the market idols around how to be inside of trading, which it's really emotionless. And this talks about how to get in the zone so why, when you're trading, you're not reacting from any emotional place, but rather you're tooling your rules and what you've learned from your past experiences that you're going to carry out into the uh, future. Great book. Uh, next up is the new trading for a living. And the reason it says new is the past book was called Trading for a Living. This one has been revised uh, Dr. Alexander Elder is the author. He's a trader and a best-selling author. So I like that this is education coming from someone who has done it before, like we talked about. He doesn't do the interviews, but this is his own story. And I, I love this. It's an updated version of the classic comprehensive guide covers uh, that was trading for a living. And so You can get this on Audible. You can buy a hardback. It is a little more expensive than your typical book. I think it's like a $50 book, but well worth it. 
Uh, and then last but not least, and I have so many others, like Psychology Trading by like Brett Steinbarger. That's another one I would put up on this. But this, these are kind of my top five uh, for now. The Psychology of Money isn't necessarily a book about trading, but it's more about how you operate inside of money, either to be an attractor or detractor, how to expand the table so that there's more room to put it on, or how you've been shrinking your table that's making it really hard for you to have a lot of money. And so this definitely plays into uh, the overall picture around uh, your trading, but more importantly, money in general. So I would recommend this as kind of like a foundational book to have and to read to kind of get things just started and like lay a really strong foundation for you when it comes to money. And then you might add, you know, one of these other four books on top of that. Now, of course, I have to put in my own plug on my own book that's coming out in April, uh, mid-April, actually, it's called Find Your Hidden Strengths, Unlock the Power of the Four Archetypes. And this book is about money. My book is about money. I've read I've probably read over 50 books that have to do with just money, but this book isn't just about that. I am a psychology, psychology fanatic. Uh, my background, including college, is psychology-focused, and I would say it has been the one contributing piece and element that has brought the most benefit to my life financially, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and in my health even. I mean, it's like crazy how much psychology really impacts everything in your life. And what I discovered that I unpack in this book is how your thing that's holding you back, the reason you're in these cycle loops, the insanity loops of never of not breaking through, not having more income, not having better relationships, not having uh, you know more spirituality, et cetera, et cetera, is because we are completely blinded. We are completely blinded by the thing that would have us see that. We are so focused and frankly good at the things we're good at that when we go to get help even, we go get help from the person that has a bias towards our strength, not our weakness. And we see this in most coaching strategies, therapist strategies, because we gauge our success on based on how we feel not real results. And so this is kind of a confronting book, but I have a, a full quiz and archetype system that you can identify where, one, where are you in the four archetypes? And then two, how do I upgrade it so I can get to be an author around whatever it is I'm trying to create, whether it has to do with wealth, relationships, your spirituality, or your health? And Anyone and everyone I presented this to, including Jay Abraham, who does my endorsement. Uh, I also have the Crucial Conversations head author, uh, which was really for me was uh, flattering to get this endorsement. But um, these these masters, even idols for myself, who've written multiple books and gotten multiple success stories. Uh, saw that what I uncovered was the missing piece around the way that we, just like the book we talked about, get in the zone, so to speak, around our weak arm. If I'm always working out my right arm, my left is going to be weak, but my bias is to go to my right by default because it's the one that's already strong. And I give you the, the tools, the power, and the access to identify it's my left that really needs 
to get stronger. The cost of not using my, le my left is XYZ. Here are some payoffs on why I've been constantly using my right. And then when you get the access around this, integrity gets restored and the catapult effect that happens in your life around getting what you want goes through the roof. And we talk, I unpackage all of that in this book. So I'll keep you guys updated on this. I'm really excited about this. I've been working on this book for over two years. I've been working with uh, some of the coaches that work with Franklin Covey team on this. And I'm just really excited to finally have this thing at this point. So I'll keep you guys updated on this. Uh, we've... We are going to jump into this next segment, which has to do, and I, I really don't like to take sides or get politically involved, but we have to talk about this because it reaches far beyond politics. Donald Trump was just ordered to pay. And if you guys haven't caught this news, it is huge and it is making waves across the market. This is not just a political issue. It has gone far beyond that, and people are weighing in on its impact. A New York judge just ordered Donald Trump to pay over $355 million for falsifying claims on a deal that he did in New York where there were no victims. And so I want to play the first couple minutes of this interview that came out or this highlight that came out surprisingly, by the way, on CNN. I'm shocked that CNN even put this out. It's, it's kind of showing that things went too far and even the news networks are going, Hey, like we can't, we can't take sides anymore with this stuff because it's just getting out of control. And these judges, well, I'll let Trump speak for himself. We'll highlight some of his stuff that he said here. And then I'm going to show you what Grant Cardone and Kevin O'Leary are saying is the impact of this and how investors are running from New York because of this ruling. And do I think it's going to get overturned? Very likely. Uh, because it's completely every everything that's happened from this judge so far has been overturned, and I think this one will likely get overturned as well. But that's not the news you're going to hear. You're just going to hear this, and then that news will be quiet later. But let's show you this. I'm only going to show a couple minutes of the beginning of this breaking news segment. Here's Donald Trump, former president and uh, candidate of the Republican Party, president candidate for. 2024's election. So here we go. State judge just ruled, and he's crooked as you can get. And a lot of people expected something like this, but not for the amount. Uh, but this is a very dishonest man. This is a man that's been overturned already on this case four times. But a crooked New York state judge just ruled that I have to pay a fine of $355 million for having built a perfect company. Uh, great cash, great buildings, great everything. It affects New York. It's mostly talking about New York, where we have a totally corrupt attorney general. She campaigned on the fact that I will get Trump, I will get Trump. Everybody's seen it. Leticia James, they've all seen it. Well, we'll be appealing, but more important than that, this is Russia, this is China, this is the same game. It all comes out of the DOJ, it all comes out of Biden. It's a witch hunt against his political opponent the likes of which our country has never seen before. You see it in third world countries, banana republics, but you don't see it here. All right, so I'm going to end on that. I'm going to end on that note. There's a lot here, by the way. If you want to see the full interview, go on CNN, and uh, they cover that full press conference re release that Trump did. 
But I want to share with you how people, very prominent, even non-Republican individuals are weighing in on this news because it really highlights, uh, you know, I'm, I have to kind of, it's, it's sad that we have to disclose these kind of things. I'm not a huge Trump fan, guys. And what's going on is scary, especially if you're someone who's interested in growing your wealth, to see how weaponized politics can sway the law in a way that, frankly, uh, Kevin O'Leary, uh, some of these other investors weigh in on the impact it has. And frankly, the states that do this, because this is not happening in all states. This is very isolated, which makes it very unique. And we've never seen anything the likes of this uh, from a judgment ruling anywhere. I mean, it's like we're redefining laws, and this this New York judge is basically changing, is basically doing rulings against what's been happening for you know decades, which is very very uncommon. Judges like to rule in a similar way as other judges; otherwise, it makes the law inconsistent. Now, the interpretation of the law on this real estate stuff is going through the roof. So, I want you guys to hear from uh, Grant Cardone, Kevin O'Leary on their feedback on this because I think it really plays into, uh, one, a warning that you guys all should be watching, and that's where, like, if I have New York investments, if I have real estate in New York, is this somewhere that I want to continue to do business based on this ruling? And two, some of the risks that come with investing in certain states like this where, frankly, it's like there is no law and order. It's just whatever we want. We just kind of make it up as we go, and as long as you're an ally of mine, then we'll rule favorably, but the moment you're not, then we'll cut you out, which really messes with uh, the system that's already in play and already working. And the states that do this, I think, frankly, are going to suffer a lot. But here's Grant Cardone and then switching over to Kevin O'Leary on their way in on this ruling. And then we'll go from there and I'll jump into my trade section uh, right after this. So here we go. We thought this year was the opportunity to come into Chicago, California, and New York City. I've been waiting for 40 years now to invest in that marketplace. I was completely confident, Steve, this was the year to come. And when that ruling happened, uh, it was like pencils down, don't touch it, don't go there. Prominent investors have signaled their intent to halt their business in New York following the $355 million verdict in former President Donald Trump's civil fraud case. Real estate mogul Grant Cardone announced that his firm, Cardone Capital, would no longer underwrite New York real estate just days after Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary vowed to no longer invest in the state as a result of the verdict. I'm no different than any other investor. I'm shocked at this. I, I can't even understand or fathom uh, the, the decision at all. It, there's no rationale for it. Cardone said in a post, immediately discontinue all underwriting on New York City real estate. The risks outweigh the opportunities at this time. Recent political decisions will continue to deteriorate price and benefit states that don't have these challenges. Focus on Texas and Florida. Judge Arthur Angoran ruled that Trump must pay over $355 million for conspiring to alter his net worth to receive tax and insurance benefits. And Goran's verdict additionally bars Trump and his sons, Eric and Donald Jr., from doing business in New York for three years. O'Leary called New York a loser state 
and told Fox Business that he would never invest in New York now. New Yorkers should be concerned. The fine people of New York should ask themselves, why are we such a loser state? How are we going to attract business? It's not just the existing businesses that are fleeing out to Texas and Florida. What about new money like this that I'm talking about, like a $4 billion data center? Not a chance I would put that in New York. Zero probability. Never. Guys, this is shocking. Like from years ago, one, we would never have saw these news networks highlighting this type of news. And two, to have residents. By the way, all three of these guys have residents and significant investments in. And for them, I mean, think about it. I just want you to kind of chew on this for a minute. To be in a position where you own the underlying asset and you're going out publicly and saying, this is garbage now, deteriorates your own assets also. It Typically, when you own something, a stock, whatever, when you have a chance to get on live television, you whitewash it, right? You make things sound amazing and great because you want to keep your asset price high. Well, these guys are not only ex-residents of New York, but also have significant investments in, and they're coming out even... Even in the face of, I mean, they could even have this kind of scrutiny happen publicly facing like this and likely will, but they're saying it anyways because it's just gotten out of control. And so why do I bring this up on the market pulse? Because you might be thinking about investing in New York. You might be looking at buying real estate in New York. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't based on this data alone. Are there still some deals out there or ways you could you know, turn profits within certain time periods? Yeah. But would you run the risk? Would you run the risk of, of being an investor that could potentially be in the same shoes as Donald Trump for a victimless crime? And by the way, I think it will go into the courts of appeal and will get overturned. But that doesn't matter. This, this news, the fact that this is even happening, is really a politicized uh, or political pushed agenda that really should not be allowed to go into uh, the business sector. And frankly, it's scaring investors. It's scaring the public. And I I agree with Kevin O'Leary. New York residents should be completely fanatic about this. Maybe if you don't own real estate or you're not someone trying to grow your wealth, you know, you're getting on the other side and you're going, yeah, you know, screw the guys that have money, screw. Okay, but watch how your cost of living will continue to go up. Watch how expenses and inflation in your area will be significantly higher than other states. And so it's like you just have to understand how economics work. And states like they even pointed out, Texas and Florida, who aren't doing these type of things, are bringing industry, innovation, jobs, job creation. And frankly, that helps states like that like immensely. It helps the residents of those states. And frankly, that's why we're seeing... Uh, negative growth in states like New York and California is because people are fleeing. It's just too expensive. People can't afford to live there anymore. It's really sad. I love visiting California. I love visiting New York. I hate seeing this kind of thing happen. Um, great place to visit. Not the great place, not the, maybe the best place to live. Let's move into our next segment, Sheep Get Slaughtered, where we are going to jump into the S&P 500. And I like trading gold, so we're going to do gold also. And I'm going to give you a good snapshot of what next week should look like. And I'll kind of do my technical analysis so you can see for yourself how to do this on your own. 
and in your own markets that you have interest. So here we go. I wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500? Because they're sheep. And sheep get slaughtered. All right, let's not be sheep. No one here wants to get slaughtered. We're going to jump into my charts on green chart. Let me tee this up really quick for you. And then we will get started with this. This is, by the way, one of my favorite segments is to go through this. Not because I like to show off. Uh, but, I mean, it's nice to be right. The ego definitely loves this. I'm going to share with you my screen. And here, we're going to start with the S&P 500. Show you where we were last week when I did this and where we are currently in my predictions. And you can just see it, guys. Like this, you, you can't ignore what's happening here. And how technicals just love to win. We're going to have to make some adjustments. But for the most part, our technicals nailed this. Here was the channel that we built in uh, last week. And I actually did it Thursday night even. So I did it a half a day before normal. And you can see what happened. We said, okay, it's very likely it's going to stay in this channel. There's some secondary movement that may happen below the channel. But it's very likely it's going to want to stay in. We did say if this happened, there would be some movement, some breakout. You could take it about halfway. But then once it climbed back into the channel, you can see that this price movement held really strong. And it grabbed it. Like we covered it and even hit this week new highs, likely because of NVIDIA. People are coming out of the sidelines and investing in AI. And you can see the market reacted positive to positively to that. So if you've taken any bullish trades based on kind of our uh, synopsis last week, I think you would be sitting uh, pretty favorably this week. So let's talk about what's going on moving forward. I'm going to get rid of our little lines and indicators here just to clean things up. Let's adjust. So we clearly have some change in the market. Overall, this channel is tightened up a little bit. I like that. Mm, I'm going to redo this, actually. Let's take it down to here. Yeah, that's pretty close. There we go. So there's our channel. Support and resistance hasn't changed at all. We are at an all-time high. So bullish is still the sentiment. That has not changed, guys. Here, give me a second. I got to plug this in. I don't know how I went from 9% uh, to 2% in like a minute, but... Don't want to lose you guys here. So here's where we're going. Bullish is definitely the sentiment. Because the channel is now starting to inch into the 5,000 range, above 5,000 is going to be a pretty strong position. It's going to want to keep bouncing off of this roof. And so just to give you a quick idea of where price is very likely to go next week, it will inch lower. My prediction would be we will see 
this go into lower price points only because we're at the top of the channel. You guys see that? So we're kind of inching into the top. So it is very likely that we'll see the price come back down, but not, I would not say below 5,000. So any movements, you guys heard by, by the drop or by the dip, if I were going into next week, that's what I would be looking to do. I'd be waiting for the price to come down, and the moment it does, I would start buying the dip. And you might get one, two, maybe even three opportunities for it to do that. But as soon as this channel c continues to go forward, especially after it crosses the 5,000 level, the idea or the the way of it going below 5,000, the risk, the odds of it going below 5,000 diminish, uh, excuse me, every single day that the lower part of this channel gets an inches closer and closer. So you can see we've got one, well, let's not do it that way. We've got tomorrow, or that's gonna be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday of next week, so we kinda have a whole week to work this out. But after Friday of next week, it's going to be very difficult, just from a technical standpoint, no fundamentals, we could have some fundamental blowouts next week. But from a technical standpoint, it's gonna be really difficult for the S&P 500 to drop below 5,000 after Friday next week. And I'm predicting that today, a week before it happens. So I'm very bullish on the S&P 500 right now. Uh, we talked about the money on the sidelines. We talked about how there's $3 trillion in excess over what we're used to having sitting on the sidelines right now. As we hear rumors of rates dropping and we see CDs start to drop from that five and a half, five and a quarter percent down to three percent, that money is going to shift back into the market and people are going to start looking for where can I get a return again? And where people will typically put that is real estate. So I, I am very bullish on real estate right now and I would say on the S&P 500. I also have some predictions that we might see a lowering in inflation and then a new spike in inflation, which is going to bring all these asset prices back up also. So there is my uh, gold, or excuse me, my S&P 500 analysis. Let's move over to gold. Gold we also nailed last week, and I did this Thursday. I'll just click into this really quick. We are still, whoa, give it, give it a sec, guys. There we go. We are still in this bearish channel, although I'm still pretty bullish on gold in general, but I don't ever fight the trend. We are definitely in a long-term, short-term trend, but you can see we're in this last week, kind of this upward trend inside of that. And we predicted that. I, I told you guys last week, there was there's a likelihood of it going down, but it's highly unlikely. It's way more likely we were gonna end up in this price point between 2000 and 2015. It went right to that. And then I said the rest of the week, it's likely it's going to be up into this range. And I even picked the top of the range. It, this is not hard to do, but definitely impressive to your friends, guys. We not only called the direction in a short trend, but we also called when it would happen and the likelihood. And so if you had gone bullish any part of last week, you were a winner. I don't know how else to say this. Like, pick, pick it any day. You would have gotten this. 
it kept moving up, up, up into the regions we predicted. Let's talk about where we're at now from a technical standpoint. And obviously, fundamentals could screw all of this up in a moment, but I want to share with you where I think things are going. We've got some contradictory channels, but uh, the big fish can always eat the small fish, is how I would say this. You've got this light channel and trend over the last week that's very bullish, right? But from the long-term bearish perspective, this fish is eating this fish. That's just what is. And until there's a breakout, there's not a new trend. And so from a technical standpoint, this is a higher risk than last week. However, I still, I'm going to give it to you straight, what I think is going to happen over the next week from a technical standpoint. So let's blow this out just a hair so we get some length on this. We've got to build this channel out into the future. There we go. I like that. That looks good. We're going to bring this channel back in. Here's what's going to happen. Let's bring that back up. All right. So it's very likely with this channel, Monday, maybe Tuesday, we're going to want to live in this space, right? It just makes sense. We're inside of the bearish channel or the bullish channel inside the larger bear channel. So it's very likely that this is going to continue. However, the further we get into this price point, and I'm going to try to extend this so you can understand how technicals work. Move this over for a sec. The further we get into next week, Oh my gosh, sometimes this is so frustrating when I'm doing a webinar. There we go. It's a little steeper than that. Okay, I drew this so that you can see the intersecting section, like the intersecting sectors, because it helps build where the price will go. It's very likely the price is going to want to live in here for a short period of time. Once it breaks this section, it is very likely it's going to want to live down here after. And then after this, it's going to want to be in between this price point after that. So I'm going to kind of highlight the different colors and different segments so you know the priorities. Go and so what? Am, what am I saying? Well, I'm saying sideways, maybe a little bullish. Definitely more downward pressure going into next week. This would be Monday. After that, once there's a breakout, it's very likely it's going to test this 2015 price. You can see that this is held really well support uh, over the last couple of weeks, and then obviously the 2000 price, which it's just a rounded number. And so this is what the prices do. Why does it do this guys? Because of limit orders, options in the market. People, they're, they're just lazy. They follow natural science, natural laws. Even the robots are doing this where when they place entries and exits, they look for certain levels that just naturally occur in, in the real world. It's just, yes, it's science, but it's also nature. It's this whole Fibonacci thing that just 
naturally occurs. And so what you see is stacks of orders in these price points. Zeros, it's just people being lazy. And they're like, oh, I'm going to put my stop loss at 2000 I'm going to put my take profit at 2000 So you see a lot of price stopping at that area. And it just makes the wall that you got to shoot that missile through thicker and thicker and thicker. And so the more times you hit it, the weaker the wall gets. Uh, but that's what generally creates support and resistance from a technical standpoint. That's what makes this so easy for me to do is it's real. Like this isn't just lines. These are real humans reacting to the market right now. And this is the, if they were looking at this, a lot of traders are basing their take profits, stop losses, et cetera, inside of this. Well, you're better than that. You're going to place your take profits inside of these levels and you're going to set your stop losses outside of them. Because you don't want to run the risk of what everyone else is doing. Follow people's trends. You're going to get stuck getting average results. If you want something better, you've got to stick your neck out and do what other people aren't willing to do. You almost have to do the opposite of what the public is willing to do. And so technicals are going to help you do that. Obviously, there could be some fundamental news on gold that just like changes the direction radically. However, long, long term... Like years into the future, six months plus, I'm still very bullish on gold. However, next week, you could see I'm starting to get a little bullish uh, because we're in this short trend. And it's likely we're going to have a breakout. But guys, if this breaks the 30 or the 2039 price, I'm going to put this in a very, very light oval. If this comes out into here, we are in a new trend. So this would be what I call the new trend section. And it's very unlikely uh, that this will happen. It's my least predictor. This is a higher risk trade than it was last week, but this is how I would set this up for this week. So that's it. That wraps it up. That concludes our time together. I'm sorry. I know you guys love spending time with me here. I wish I had more to give you, but we will keep you updated next week. Same time, same place. And guys, thanks so much for being on here. Your support means uh, so much to me. If you follow me on my socials, please contribute. Please ask questions. Throw comments in the comments section about any questions you have. I do a really good job of getting back. And frankly, I take that content and those questions to create what we do here on this podcast. So thanks for your participation and making this a better place for traders. So we'll see you guys same, t uh, same place, same time next week. And uh, happy trading. Till then. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.